You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the MLB Extras Kansas City Royals podcast. I'm Anthony Kastrovitz, joined by Royals beat reporter Jeffrey Flanagan. Jeffrey, uh, been watching uh, what's been going on over in Japan with the, the contingent of MLB All-Stars, um, you know, making the rounds over there and playing some games. And Whit Merrifield of the Royals has uh, been particularly active. Him and Reese Hoskins kind of put together a, a little travel video. In fact, uh, you know, you see them wearing kimonos and trying sushi <laughs> and and uh, just uh, enjoying uh, the sights and sounds of Japan. So that's been cool to watch. But over here uh, across the pond uh, in these United States, there's a lot of Whit Mer- Merrifield discussion in the trade market. And a lot of curiosity over what direction the Royals take with him. Now, they have him under their contractual control through 2022. And we're talking about a guy who just seems to be coming into his own. He can play all over. Um, he was uh, ranked 10th in wins above replacement in 2018. Uh, led the American League in hits and stolen bases. So a very valuable player for them, but also a very valuable player in the trade market. Uh, let's kind of discuss where that might lead. What, what's your gut feeling as, as to whether uh, the Royals move this guy this winter? Yeah, and actually, he led the major leagues in hits and stolen bases, which is even better. So, uh, you know, that that has been a hot topic here, and it's been a hot topic for over a year because last year at the winter meetings, you know, Dayton made it pretty clear, Dayton more the general manager, that basically anybody was available but Salvador Perez. And that tone kind of changed as the season went on, and and uh, Witt, again, put together a terrific year. And um, I think the same reason that he's so attractive to other teams, you know, the, the four years of club control, uh, you know, how cheap he is right now, the fact that he can play five, six different positions, uh, which in today's game is, is probably even more valuable than it used to be, uh, the speed factor, the leadoff factor, uh, he's got pop in his bat. Uh, the same reason he's attractive to everyone else is the same reason he's attractive to the Royals. Uh, of course, you know, there may be two, three years away from really being good again, but do you uh, give up on somebody like that? I, I think the return would have to be almost ridiculous at this point. Um, the, the next guy in line, really, to be a middle infielder, Adalberti Mondesi is going to play short next year, would be Nicky Lopez, who's at, who's at Omaha right now. And he doesn't have to go on the 40 till after next season. So I think they'll bring him along slowly. So I really don't think they're in a, they're in a hurry uh, to move with, you know, Dayton made it pretty clear at the trade deadline. He was not going to deal him. Uh, he, he's pretty much stayed with that same stance. Um, he's a good leader on this team. He's 29, going to be 30 soon. Um, they need that kind of leadership as they usher in this, this new uh, youth movement, um, you just can't, as you know, Anthony, you just can't have 25, 22-year-olds out there. You, you have to have some veteran leadership, and he's kind of evolved into that role. So, I, you know, gut feeling, I don't think they're going to move him. Well, I know literally where Merrifield comes from, ninth, uh, former ninth-round pick out of the University of South Carolina. But where did this guy come from, Jeffrey? Because, you know, he is a late bloomer at the major league level, um, as I said, just coming off his age 29 season. And, uh, you know, a, a guy who wasn't a big name in their farm system prior to coming to the big leagues. No, as a matter of fact, he, he went unprotected in the Rule 5 draft twice. Um, really, the transition for him happened uh, 
a little over two years ago, and I had a lot of fun writing about this in spring training a couple of years ago. He's the guy who went on that crazy diet where, uh, you know, he would eat nine eggs for breakfast and a pound of bacon, and he ate basically like six or seven times a day, pretty decent meals, and then worked out three times a day. Uh, so he put on all he put on about twenty five to thirty pounds of upper body muscle, and he became a guy who. Uh, was not a power threat in the minors, was not an ex, really an extra base threat to a guy who could hit 10 to 15 to 20 homers at the big league level uh, with a decent slug and, and also you know kept his speed, uh, just kind of transformed his body. Um, and it took a, a little while for him to grow into that uh, new body and, and, and ex, you know try to experience what it was going to be like to have that extra strength. And uh, we saw a little bit of it a couple years ago, more last year. Um, and um, now here we are with a guy who is a terrific leadoff guy. Uh, he's not going to lead the league in stolen bases again, I can tell you that, because Montessi, who had 32 steals in 70 games, is going to, and even with that, uh, admitted that, he's going to blow right by him. I know a lot of sports writers on the uh, eggs and bacon diet, so I don't know what the big deal is about Merrifield's diet. We, we try that all year, <laughs> Jeffrey. We don't quite work out nearly as much, I don't think. <laughs> We're not offsetting any of it. Um, yeah, so he's, it's interesting because, you know, coming off the age 29 season, entering the age 30 season, he, I think he'll retain his value the next couple of years, but it is a good question. By the time they are good again, where will Whit Merrifield be on, you know, on his aging curve? So it's. Yeah, I think it's, it's a young 29, if that makes sense. I, I don't, you know, he really takes care of himself, you know, kind of the way Alex Gordon does. I, I don't know if we're going to see. Uh, the same type of decline that we've seen a lot of guys in their 30s. Um, I, I just think uh, it's it's still kind of new to him. You know, he doesn't have a lot of major league miles on that body, so um, I, I don't think we're going to see that same decline. Where do you think the Royals are at as far as a timetable goes? I, I know, you know, it's hard to pin Dayton Moore into a corner and, and nail down a year where he thinks they'll be competitive again. But what do you think? Kind of assessing the, the system as it stands right now, where do you think they're at? I think actually um, they're probably a little bit more ahead than than he originally thought. Uh, with the emergence of guys like Ryan O'Hearn uh, and Hunter Dozier last year, and of course Mondesi, who just kind of blew us all away with the second half he had and finally started to show all those five tools we've been hearing about for so long. Um, they've, they've got a lot of young players, a, a pretty young, deep rotation. You know, the guys like Jorge Lopez and, and Brad Keller and Heath Fillmeyer and you know, Brett Phillips, if, if he can hit a little bit in center field, it starts to look like a team th- that could compete maybe in 2020. I, I think, you know, they were 58 and 104 this year. I think next year they make a jump into the 70s, maybe, uh, maybe low 70s. And by 2020, I kind of think they're going to be hovering around 500 and, and, and be pretty interesting. Um, and they've, they had that, as you know, Anthony, they had a really pretty good draft class last year. Um, with Brady Singer and all those guys. And, you know, those guys are college pitchers. It might only take them a year or two before they're up to the big leagues. So, you know, 2020 may be a stretch, but 2021 for sure. And because we're looking ahead with the Royals, it's, uh, you know, we of course, focus on the, the bodies down on the farm. And you spent some time recently uh, talking to some guys uh, in the Arizona Fall League. And you had an interesting Q&A with Nick Heath. He's 24 years old, uh, left-handed hitting speedster. Uh, taking the 16th round of the 2016 draft and kind of like Merrifield, he can kind of play all over. He plays all over the outfield, uh, has some speed, gets on base at a good clip. And he has an interesting background as well. 
He does. I mean, his his mother, Kimberly, uh, competed in the 1988 Olympic uh, trials in 100 100 meter hurdles and um, lost out in that, but uh, was a terrific uh, sprinter in in her day. And uh, he picked definitely got that speed gene from her. And uh, it's kind of funny. He he finally you know built up enough nerve to challenge her to a race when he was 14 years old as a freshman, and they had just kind of completed a a two mile two mile jog together and he just kind of said hey we're about you know 50 yards from home what do you say we you know sprint home and she goes ah, I'll, I'll embarrass you <laughs> and he said no you won't and so of course they race and and he wins and um and you know she won't admit that that he actually beat her and it's just kind of a funny story and uh, he's kind of the type of player that as you know you know Dayton Moore and his staff really covet you know the kind of the Gerard Dyson Terrence Gore types, you know, really fast. Um, I think he's probably more advanced offensively than either of those two. Um, so he's good. he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. He can really play good defense. Um, you know, he's already stolen 100 bags in, in the minors in two and a half professional seasons. So uh, definitely a guy that uh, is, is on our radar. Another guy uh, you spoke with out in Arizona, you know, so much of the Royals championship core uh, was built around that Zach Greinke trade with the Brewers. And now the Royals have a guy named Brewer, Brewer Hicklin, uh, their number 21 prospect. You spoke with him a bit about he had kind of a strange 2018. Yeah, he did. I mean, he was he was actually held back. He's a he's a former UAB football player um, who uh, ended up having to walk on baseball. He later got a scholarship back, but um, tough kid. Um, can play outfield, uh, center field as well, good athlete. Um, it was held back um, in spring training um, last year to start the season and was really pretty bummed uh, about it and didn't get up to Lexington, I think, for at least another month. Um, first time, you know, he told me it's the first time he's ever been told no or had a door shut in his face, and uh, I think it really concerned him, but ended up having a really terrific season. Uh, actually, I just got promoted to – high A um, in the middle of the season. Uh, then when Sully Matias uh, got hurt, he was put back at Lexington and loved it. I mean, he, he ended up hanging out with that that crew that won the league championship, and uh, he had a lot of fun. But he's another guy, you know, that that's – I think he's number 21 on, on the pipeline's uh, prospect list. But, um, you know, who knows which one of these guys, you know, emerge uh, over the next two years and, and maybe become a factor in the outfield. All right, Jeffrey Flanagan is all over Royals topics, uh, both present and future. So we'll continue to check in with him throughout the offseason. Jeffrey, thanks for doing this. Thanks.